Last week we began looking um, at the end of 1 John chapter 2. The plan was to cover verses 24 through 28 last week, and um, we only got through 24 and 25. We only made it through two of the verses. Uh, this week I plan to cover 26 through 29. We uh, added a verse to the end, and I hope that I arrange things well enough where we're going to be able to get through all four of the verses, double the amount of last week, but the title of the message remains the same. Remain. See what I did there? Anyway, the word remain or abide, depending on what translation you're looking at, it appears six times in verses 24 through 28, or even, and we're going through 29, but, uh, you know, it, it appears six times uh, in there, and it, I looked the word up, and both, both remain and abide are, are good translations of that word. Um, so let me ask you to, you know, remain awake, remain attentive, abide in the sanctuary as we look at these verses, but let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, time to be able to look into your word. I thank you for the time you gave me to be able to study and, and think about things and get into things. And I hope and, and pray that what I share today is uh, what you would want and how uh, and, and we need your help to be able to understand your word. Really, it's um, some things we think we got and um, we don't get it all. So help us, though. Uh, you know, again, what's going on in each and every life here. Um, I could never possibly know that, and even if I did, uh, what, what are the chances I would uh, be able to say anything worth helping? But your word is always uh, there for, to guide and direct and help us. So um, un, un, unveil yourself, I guess, a little bit more to us today. Help us to see you, understand you, your word, your truth in our life, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to be in First John chapter 2, if you haven't turned there yet. <clears throat> You see it says 24 through 29. That's because for context, we're going to start with the verses we covered last week. We're going to go through those rather quickly. And um, uh, I hope it kind of makes sense this morning when I was going over. I come, I come, to, the church, uh, I come over to the church earlier in the morning and I start going through things. And, and I thought, why is that there? And I crossed it off. Why isn't that there? And I wrote some other things in. So we'll see how this all fits together. Um, so we're going to hit, go through the first part. And then um, we'll continue on through the rest. Last week, we, we just kind of looked at one verse at a time. That's, again, what we're going to do this week. So if you're looking, look at verse 24. It says, uh, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. So I changed this a little bit from what, from what the point was last week. I think it fits better. You know, remain in the truth that the Bible reveals about Jesus. Now, the first, the whole first side is filled in for you already in the bulletin, so you don't have to. We're going to fly through these quickly, but you know, remain in that truth there that the Bible reveals to us about Jesus. Don't follow false teachings. Uh, don't follow things that contradict the Bible, and don't even do that in, in yourself. Don't even follow your old habits that contradict the Bible. We are new creatures in Christ. We are we are we are uh, given new life. Begin to live that new life, not the old life that you had apart from Christ, you know, and don't remake God, uh, you know, in the image that you think he should be. We do that. We make we remake God in our minds into the image we think he should be. Don't do that. 
You know, uh, he is true to his character. He's true to his attributes. He is God. He is not your servant who is obligated to give you uh, whatever you ask for. We went into that a little bit more in depth last week. So, uh, you know, you can again, you can listen to the to the message from last week online if you want to. Uh, We overestimate our knowledge and we underestimate God's wisdom. That happens all too often for us. You know, we think that we have the answer. We think that we know the way. We think that we got it all together. And we don't. And we don't. We underestimate God's wisdom. We overestimate our own knowledge. And when we overestimate our own knowledge, the problem then becomes we don't turn and look for God's wisdom. Why? Because we think we got this under control. And when you do look, don't try to make the Bible say what you want it to say. Instead, read what it truly says. You know, and if what you're asking, if what you're asking for glorifies the Father, if what you're asking helps people come to know Him, He will be happy to grant what you ask. But remember, God will not help you destroy yourself. He will not help you get further away from Him. And if the answer, if the prayer that you're asking would really result in you being further away from God, don't expect Him to answer that. You know, he will give you any help that you need. He will give us any help we need to accomplish his will and to become the people he desires us to be. Any help. Any help we need to accomplish what he's asked. He doesn't lay something out and then just say, best of luck to you, buddy. You know, he will give us all the help we need to accomplish his will. He will give us all the help we need, you know, to be the people he, he desires us to be. Live, remain in faith that God truly does know what's best. And it says, you know, that the verse talks about, uh, one of the verses we looked at talked about, uh, you know, uh, being God-fearing, you know, living in the fear of God. And, you know, God-fearing is an awe-filled respect and recognition of his power, majesty, and person. So you live, you live in, you live with that, that respect, that recognition of his power, that recognition of his majesty, that recognition of his person. Verse 24, if what you heard from the beginning remains in you, don't let others twist the truth and don't, don't let your desires deform God's word. Don't let your desires deform it. You know, what you've heard from God, what you've confirmed, what you, you know, what you've heard from him and and what has been confirmed by his word, that must remain the determining factor, the, the, the driving factor in your living. Not what we want God's word to say, not what we want it to come out to be, but what God truly says. And don't stray from the truth that the Bible tells us. Don't stray from what it tells us about Jesus Christ. In the rest of verse 24, it says, if what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus, God the Son, without also having a relationship with God the Father. Three persons, one God. It's one God. When you have a relationship with one, you have a relationship with them all. And it's important to remain in a relationship with Jesus. Remain in that truth. Remain in that relationship. Verse 25, it says, and this is the promise that he himself made to us. Eternal life. Eternal life comes only through a relationship with Jesus. God himself, you know, one with the Father. You know, remain in the promise given, promises given us by Jesus. Remain in a growing relationship with him. Remain in that growing relationship with Jesus. Don't wander off in your own direction. Don't, you know, wander off and think you have a better way. Make sure that what you are doing is following Christ, that you are growing in that relationship with him. 
That's where we ended last week. So now if you want more details on that, you can listen, you know, or watch it online. They, they have both available on the website. You can get just the audio and listen to it wherever you want. And uh, online you can get on YouTube and you can watch it. So if you want more, you want more that's filled in in between those things, uh, that's where you can turn. Look at verse 26. In verse 26, John warns, I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Now, there were those in the, in, in, the, in the church at that time that were teaching early forms of docetism or Gnosticism in the church. I told you about these when we began this series back in November. Um, you know, we, we talked about that. Docetism said that, you know, Jesus didn't really exist as a human. He only seemed like he was a human being. You see, what, you're, what you were seeing there wasn't really him. It's not really him. It wasn't really a person. And that's, that's part of what docetism is. You know, he wasn't real. And, uh, you know, it, that would mean there was no incarnation, was no enfleshment of God that, that, you know, the birth of Christ, it wasn't really the birth of Christ. You know, that would mean all of that wasn't there. It would mean that there was no real savior. It would mean that there was no real savior to die on the cross for our sin. And Jesus only seemed to die. You see, that's part of what docetism says. It's very similar to what Christian science teaches today. It was very, very similar to that. And Gnosticism, Gnosticism believes that uh, salvation comes through an enlightenment. It comes through a special knowledge, you see. And when you attain that knowledge, uh, then, then that's where salvation is. And what we're, they're talking about here is that the knowledge, that's only granted to a chosen few. It's only granted to the chosen adherents, you know, to their religion. It's only granted to the anointed even in their religion. Very similar to Scientology, very similar to Mormonism that we have today. And you have to hit these levels. And when you hit these levels, you see, then you will know more and then you will see more. Now, the beliefs he's, he's referring to here are not simply another way to view Jesus. You know, they are not simply another way to look at Jesus. It's not that, well, you know, it's all the same God. Again, no, it's not the same God. They are talking about someone different when Jehovah's Witnesses talk to you about Jesus, they are talking to you about a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. It's the same with Mormons. They are talking to you about a different Jesus. When, when Muslims talk to you about Jesus, they are talking to you about, about a different person, not, not what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus is. And, you know, we, so we're not, you know, the false beliefs, it's not simply another way to look at Jesus. They are errors, they are lies, and they have no place in those who have a relationship with Jesus. There's no place in there. It's not just another way to look at him. There's no place for that in, in those who claim to have a relationship with Jesus. There are many who are still trying to deceive you today. Anyone who is denying Jesus as God and only Savior is trying to deceive you. If they are denying Jesus as God and the only Savior, they are trying to deceive you. Anyone who denies that, that God as the ultimate source of creation is trying to deceive you. That, this, that all we have came from something other than God. They are trying to deceive you. Anyone who says that God is not loving is trying to deceive you. Who tells you that he is an evil Angry God, they are, they are, that is deception. Anyone who says that we need to add our works to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is trying to deceive you. 
to say that the sacrifice of Christ wasn't enough and we need to add our works or we need to add, uh, you, you put it in there, you know, sacraments, ceremonies or these other things, that we need to add something to what Christ has done. They are trying to deceive you. Remain in the truth that salvation comes through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. His sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Remain in that truth. Remain in that relationship with Christ. Verse 26, or excuse me, 27. The anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. Now, when he says, you know, that, that uh, you know, you don't need teaching, well, he's not saying that whatever we think is fine. You know, that whatever you think about, about God is fine and we don't need any teaching. We all need to learn and grow. Scripture is very clear about that. Scripture is very clear that we need to learn, we need to grow, we need to grow in him. When he says you don't need anyone to teach you here, it's a, it's a reference to those who are claiming secret knowledge. That, you know, well... There's this secret gospel. God's not hiding it from us at all. He's put it out there so that all can see and so that all can know. He wants people to know him. You know, this is those who claim to have a special anointing. A special anointing that is only available to the enlightened. This is what he's talking about. You don't need these so-called enlightened, anointed leaders who have this special knowledge that you don't have to teach you this is this is what he's talking about you know that's contrary to scripture you know jesus said that the holy spirit will teach his followers john chapter 14 i have spoken these things to you while i remain with you but the counselor the holy spirit the father will send him in my name he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Notice, notice there what it says, that the Spirit, you know, the Spirit teaches what? What Jesus already taught them. Not something new and hidden. What Jesus already taught them. Teaching that comes from God is always in harmony with what Jesus taught because he is God. And God doesn't contradict himself. He doesn't contradict himself. You know, it, this is most specifically, this promise here in John 14, it's most specifically a promise made to the apostles, the writers, the uh, arbiters, if you will, uh, of what is true about Jesus. The canon, the entire canon of the New Testament was compiled while at least some of the apostles were alive. All of the New Testament books were written while at least you know, some of the apostles were alive because they could attest to the truth of what was written there. They could, you know, they could help us to see and to know, you know that what we have in the Bible is a, re- a reliable standard by which to measure truth. Because they were there as eyewitnesses and they saw and they saw you know, of what was written was in line with who Jesus is. You know, his anointing here, when it talks about his anointing, you know, it seems to be a reference to the Holy Spirit, you know, within us. The Holy Spirit who will guide us into all truth. Again, John chapter 14, um, different place in, the, in the, the chapter. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him. Is, is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because what? He remains with you and will be in you. 
that when you have this relationship with with Christ, you have the Spirit. You know, when you have when you have the relationship with Christ, you have the well, God the Son. You have the relationship with with God the Father, God the Spirit, one God. One God. And here, you know, he tells us that he will, you know, he remains with you and will be in you. You know, that he is in us. John chapter 15, it says, when the counselor comes, the one whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. That as we grow in our relationship with Christ, the spirit helps us and the spirit testifies to the truth of who he is within us. John chapter 16, when he, the spirit of truth, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own. He will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. You see, part of the Spirit's ministry is to guide us and to confirm truth within us, to confirm what, you know, what he has said. And, to, and it's, again, always in line with his word. Why? He's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit glorifies Christ. The Spirit glorifies Christ Jesus, not himself. Nowhere in Scripture do you see where the Spirit draws attention to himself. The Spirit draws attention to Jesus. The Spirit draws attention you know, to Jesus Christ. And he never guides contrary to scripture. It says he will guide you into all truth. Psalm 119 says, there we go. Psalm 119 says, the entirety of your word is truth. And all your righteous judgments endure forever. And then again in John chapter 17, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. When the Spirit guides us, He never guides us contrary to the Word of God. He never guides us to go in a different direction from what the Word of God says. He never guides us, uh, you know, to butt heads with what the Word of God says. He always guides us in line with the truth, with His Word. The Holy Spirit will never guide you contrary to His Word. Never guide you contrary to his word. His guidance will always be in line with the Bible. His guidance will always be in line with that revealed truth. Remain in that truth. He will never lead you contrary to his character, which you learn about in in the Bible. You learn about in his word. He will always act in line with his attributes, those qualities that make him God. And God does not lie. Remain in his word and remain in his teaching. Remain in a growing relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 28. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, when, he's, when he calls them little children, it's not a put down. In other places, Scripture says, you know, that by now you should, you know, want to meet the word, but instead I have to feed you like, like babes, you know, uh, the milk of the word. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here, you know, it, it's a term, when John refers to them as little children, uh, he's referring to those that he was writing to as a term of endearment, that they were this important to him. That they had a relationship so close and they were so dear to him, they were as important to John as if he raised them himself. 
as if as if they were born into his home and as they, they were raised in his home they have that tight of a relationship that they are that important to him and his warning to him here is that they need to remain in him to remain in Christ Jesus that they need to remain in a growing relationship with Jesus we're tempted you know to follow what seems to be best to us instead of searching and seeking out direction from God don't wander away from Jesus don't wander away. Let me remind you, God is not surprised by what is happening to you or to anyone else. God is not the least bit surprised by what's going on in our country. God is not the least bit surprised about what is going on in your life. He, you know, he, he's not the least bit confused about what he wants you to do. He is not the least bit confused about how he wants you to respond. He is not wondering about where you should go or what you should do. He is, it, it, you know, he, it's, he's not up there and saying, man, I, I didn't expect that. That is not what he's doing at all. He knows what's going on. He knows what has happened. He knows what is happening. And he knows what's going to happen. And he is the only one that is able to accurately and to best guide you into not only what he wants you to be, but into what is best for you. If you are confused... Make sure you are remaining in Christ, not following others. You know, if you're confused, then, then, you know, make sure you're following him, not simply your own desires. You know, sometimes what we need is clear in his word. And I, I really think, you know, you know, I think 98 to 99% of God's leading is, is in his word. You know, not confused at all. What we get all hung up on is that one or two percent. Whoa, you know, and and all of a sudden it's direct in our life. Whoa, you know, and it's like we forget about all the other stuff. You know, it it still tells us what kind of person we should be, even in the midst of confusion. It tells you what kind of character you should have. It tells you, you know, who you should be following and what you should be doing. And he's not confused about that at all. And sometimes it's very clear in his word. And sometimes we need to seek him more. So if you're confused, you know, if, if you're confused, then you need to pray. You need to read his word until you're sure. And you need to remain in him and you need to follow his leading. I've told you before, and you need to get this. If you as husband and wives, one husband, one wife there, okay? I'm just talking about more than one. I'm talking about more than one couple. If you as a husband and wife don't agree on what you should be doing one of you is wrong or maybe both of you are wrong but i know this for sure god is not confused about what he wants for you so if you are and if the two of you are thinking different things and if the two of you are confused then seek after god the one who is not confused the one who is not wondering what should happen the one who is clear on what should be going on if you are confused you seek god 
Now, that's not just as a couple. That's as an individual until you seek God. And, you know, God more than once has shown me I didn't quite have it right. Or more than once, God has shown me, you know, you're not following the spirit here. You're following your emotions. You're following your aggravation. You're following your desires. You're following fill in the blank. We can have a lot of things there. The problem is when you're following those to the point of ignoring or overlooking God. When you're following them to the point of ignoring or overlooking God. Or beginning to twist his word to suit your purpose. Well, it does say heat burning coals upon his head. I guess I can burn my neighbor's house down then. You know, we, 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 we're supposed to be in a relationship with God, and that is to guide all that we do and all that we are. We are not the ones guiding God. He is the one guiding us. We are not the ones informing him about what's happening. We are the ones looking to guide us through what's happening. You know, to, to get that help from him. It says, so when he appears. You know, that, that, that we, little children remain in him so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed. When he appears. It refers to his second coming, his, you know, his, his coming in, in power to reign. And we think, well, that's not going to happen. Let me tell you, though, here's the deal. You know, you will see him either when he returns again or when you leave this earth and pass into eternity. You will see him. John chapter 14 again he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And again, he's not up there with the saw. Zuba, zuba, you know, and when yours is done. Hey, come on up, you know, Ralph, you're, I shouldn't say this. You know, I shouldn't pick any person out. You know, we don't have anyone here named Billy. Billy, yours is ready. Come on up. You know, no, that, that's not it. it. It's his going has prepared that place for us. It's ready. I don't know if that makes you assured or a little nervous. Uh, your place is ready, so it's like, bing, bing, any moment, you know, just, just, just so you know, you know, what, what, what the scripture is saying there. Um, you know, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Some people see this, you know, as... When it's your time, Jesus comes and gets you. It's a great picture. What I do know is when I step through that door that we see as death, when I step through that doorway into eternity, you know, and my soul, my spirit leaves this body and you guys are left with the empty shell and I go on into eternity. One thing I do know is I'm going to see Jesus. So when he says, you know, when he says to us that when he appears, 
He is going to appear. And it could be that he comes again during our lifetime. And people ask me, you know, do you think he's going to come during our lifetime? I don't know, but I do know this. He is at least going to come at the end of my lifetime. As I step through eternity into his greater presence. So don't, you know, don't think that this is something that's, that's far off and, and is not going to happen. He says, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let's move on. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The claim that somebody makes, you know, the claim that somebody makes about his life will always be proved or disproved by what he puts into practice. If I told you I was an electrician, that would be quickly disproved if you saw me try to do something other than plug in an outlet, you know, other than plug something in an outlet. It's not, it's not my actions. I could tell you I'm an electrician all I want to. I could have, I could have a, you know, a union card for an electrician. It's easy to print off. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could tell you that I could have a, you know, a hard hat that says electrician on it. I could drive a truck that says pet's electric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I could even take jobs from people to, you know, do their electricity and stuff. But my actions would very quickly prove that I was a liar. When he says here, you know, when he says here that if you know he is righteous, you will know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. If you claim to have a relationship with Christ, if you claim to have a relationship with Christ, then your living should remain in accord with Christ Jesus as well. If what you claim to be, you know, if, if you, you, that claim of having a relationship with him, then it should be shown in your living. Did you see what the, what the passage said? It said that everyone who what? Does what is right. It's the doing of a transformed life. Don't get this messed up. It's the living of a transformed life, not efforts to earn a merit badge. You see the difference there? You see the difference? Christianity isn't, you know, like, like the, the Boy Scouts or any of these things. And, uh, you know, it, it, you're not working to earn a merit badge. What you're doing is you are, your life is transformed and you're living from a transformed life. And that living is proving, that living is in line, that living is in line, that, you know, that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Why? Because he does what is right? No, because he has been transformed. He is doing what is right and showing the fact that he has a relationship with Christ. Everyone who does what is right. The talk is proven by the walk. The talk, what you say, is proven by the walk, the way you live your life. Matthew chapter, chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Why? Because he did that? No, because, because that transformed life 
Because that relationship that he has with God, and it's not what he says, but what he does. Why? Because the doing shows what the life is. Out of, our, our life flows from within. Out of the inner man, out of, in, out of what's inside a man, his life flows. This is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. That, you know, if you know he's righteous, you'll know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You know, Christians don't simply believe the truth. They live it as well. We live from this transformed life. It's a belief that guides and directs your living. A life guided by your relationship with Christ. Remain in that relationship, and your life is lived out of that. Very consistent with what John wrote in the beginning of, of, of this letter that we looked at earlier. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. Notice, practicing in the, in the Holman Christian Standard has that footnote there. And, and it says, not living according to. You know, we are not practicing, not living according to the truth. If we say that, you know, we do that and not living according to the truth, we're a liar, he says. We're a liar. Someone who says that they're a Christian, you know, that they have a relationship with Christ, but they don't live in obedience, love, you know, and and truth, they're either deceived or a liar. They're either following a lie or they are speaking a lie. If you claim to have a relationship with Christ, then your living should remain in accord with Christ Jesus as well. Remain in him. Thinking, learning, living in him. Remain in that relationship with Christ. I thought a good place to wind up today and to stop is some of Paul's words to the Colossians. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you were taught. Overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Based on the elemental forces of the world. And not based on Christ. Remain in him. Remain in that relationship with Christ. Let's pray. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened in power in the inner man through his spirit. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to all the fullness of God.